to organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book, you are in the right place. At the right time to learn how to write your book. Hi, I'm Joyce Glass. And I'm Sherry Lynn Bisbano, and welcome to The Right Hour, nonfiction tips from The Right Coach team. We are so glad you joined us today. Welcome to episode 1304 of The Right Hour. I am so glad you've joined us today. Have you thought about your personal brand and how it affects you and your business as an author or an entrepreneur? You are going to love the valuable tips given by Keith Keller, our marketing specialist for the Right Coach team, Elise Grace from the UK, Christine Gritman from New York, and Karen Tisdale from Australia. You will learn more about each of them during this episode, and I will have the links to connect with them in the show notes at therightcoach.biz forward slash 1304, or click on the link in your podcast notes on your app. You are going to want to listen to this episode more than one time. Take some good notes. Every time I listen to it, I learn something new. And Keith Peller is a part of the Right Coach team. And we help writers write their books and learn how to promote their books by building their audience. And personal branding is a very important part of that because as an author, you are a brand. Whether you think you are or not, (laughs) you are. And you got to decide how you want to represent that brand. And so today, Keith is going to talk with these ladies. And we're- so, Karen, where are you located? So I'm in Sydney, oh, Australia, which should be this time of year sunny. But I'm actually getting, at last, my chance to wear my favourite red jacket because it's actually pretty cold today. And I-, I haven't worn this jacket all winter because all winter I barely left the house. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, COVID, that thing. Yes. Yeah. How are you going, Eloise? Where are you calling in from? Uh, I'm in Melbourne as well, um, same as Kate. And yeah, so we've had a pretty tough year, but we're excited that restrictions are finally significantly. We can get out. But um, I'm also a Sydney person, so I love Sydney as well. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. What is personal branding? You know, why is it important? So, why don't we do a bit of a whip around the room on the idea of what is personal branding? Um, uh, uh, Christine can start because I know this is her thing. Everyone gets a turn. Christine, you start. What is personal branding and why is it so important? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, you have a personal brand, whether you take control and take charge of it or not. Um, Your personal brand is really what other people think of you, what other people associate with you, the impression you leave in other people's heads. And, um, you know, in the worst case scenario, uh, you either leave a bad impression in people's heads or no impression in people's heads. There'll be a couple of people who are really good Um, at remembering people who will remember you, but generally you won't make your mark. Um, Ideally, a personal brand is unique. Um, It doesn't have to be weird. It just has to be something that you can remember. Uh, It has to be, um, you know, somewhat in alignment with uh, what you want people to ultimately take action on, hopefully. You know, if if they associate you with something that has nothing to do with what you do, I mean, it it can just, there's, you know, limited returns there. Uh, But then the most important thing is that it's consistent and real and those go hand in hand because if it's real, it's not hard to make it consistent. You just be you. Well, let me pick up on that. Let me pick up on the idea that we all have a personal brand, whether we want to or not, and that many of us don't really think about that. And so you've said a couple of things. There's a couple of things that could happen. One is people don't think about you at all. Yeah. 
people think about you in a really positive way or people think about you in a negative way and you're in control of that. Yeah. You, know, you can do nothing and people just don't think of you. You can and, do and something really it's, it's okay if some people don't think of you. And it's even okay if some people, you know, I, I mean, I don't believe it's a badge of honor to have haters, but the fact is it's okay if some people are turned off by your Eunice. What really matters is you have to figure out who you want to have the good thoughts That's and right. what, what it means. That's right. And let, let's, let's hold that thought and move over to Karen, who's also in red, and so that's a good, very symbolic. What do you think a personal brand is, Karen, especially as it relates to LinkedIn, because you are a really great person on LinkedIn. So how, what do you, why do you think personal branding is very important at the moment? Yeah, so I, I think to build on what Christine said so um, so cleverly there, I think so many people say, I'm really struggling to be authentic on LinkedIn and I'm really struggling to be myself. You know, can you tell me who I am? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you've actually got to do the work. You've got to know um, the problems you solve and who you solve them for. So what do you want to get out of um, if we're looking at LinkedIn? You know, what do you want to get out of LinkedIn? Or if you're writing a book, you know, who do you want your book to be read by? And thinking first about your audience and then looking for that sweet spot between what you're interested in and what they're interested in. And yeah, I always think yeah. of that as if it's a Venn diagram, you know, where's that overlap? Yeah. Yeah. You know, where's that sweet spot of what you're interested in and they're interested in? Because I think if you just show up and you just say, here am I and I'll just talk about everything I care about, you know, you're talking about such a wide array of different things yeah. that people don't know what it is you stand for. So I think it has to be relevant to your audience, but it also has to be something that you're genuinely interested in. Um, you know, so um, so Christine, so you, can carry it off so you can keep it going, and so it feels so so you can talk about it with real genuine passion. So um, here, Christine in Australia often say you need to be more like Vegemite, less like vanilla. <laughs> So yeah. I don't know if you guys in the States know what Vegemite is, but yeah. you either love it or you hate it. And That's I think right. you do. you kind of need to polarise people. What do you think, Eloise? You know, because I, I think, you know, especially as, you know, three women in the room, sorry, Keith, but I think women are often sort of taught that we need to be likeable mm -hmm. and we need to be nice. You know, I used to come home from school um, hundreds of decades ago and, and my mum used to say to me, did you play with anybody today at lunchtime? Like making friends was the biggest thing I could do with my day. Um, now, my mom's very likable, but I think she passed on this idea that you need to be likable and you need to be likable to everyone. And I think women get that a lot, don't you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. So it can be hard for us, I think, to really go, I stand for this, I don't stand for that, and sort of polarise a little bit. Well, Eloise, jump in there and, and pick up on what you are. Uh, Karen has said that's an extremely good point, a very great insight from what must have been your upbringing because I'm a guy and guys are totally different. Just get out on the footy field and kick yeah. a ball and yeah, kick you're the ball over the head. Yeah, if yeah, they don't know something you like, give them a good biff. You know, while well, I think we're like play nice, <laughs> yeah. we like ball. Very different messaging. Absolutely. And I went into sales. That was my first career before I started writing LinkedIn profiles. I was in recruitment. Um and that's where I got this idea that sort of your, your digital brand was really important and, um, and how you show up online makes a difference between whether you get opportunities or not. It's all about are you remembered? Yeah. And so I think going into that recruitment career, which was really, I mean, let's be honest, it's, it's really sales. I was pimping people. And 
you know, so I think when you're doing sales, that confirms it even more. Got to be likable, got to be likable. And I think a strong personal brand is one that actually not everybody likes. You know, what do you I think? Like really? you no, I, I, I think it's about making people remember, you know, who you are and what you stand for. Like maybe, you know, 30 minutes after you talk to them, a day later, five months later, five years later. I think that, you know, if you've got someone remembering who you are and what you stand for then, you know, you're doing a pretty good job. Um, yeah. Again, leading on to what was, uh, sorry, following on to what Christine was saying, yeah, getting people to know what your messages are, what are the main things you stand for, yeah. what are you trying to convey. And not everybody's the same, as you're saying, Karen, some people, you know, are trying to impress people and get them to like them, but other people are more shy and, you know, hesitant and they need help with personal branding and they need help with marketing and branding. They, they can't naturally do it by themselves. So it's a skill they may need to learn or to acquire, whereas other people have it in abundance, like Keith. <laughs> and he doesn't need help with personal branding. He's really confident, um, and he's here telling us all about that he's going to be doing this and that. And he's, he's, you know, using StreamYard. Um, so everybody's different, but I would also say that everybody's capable of changing, but that um, personal branding is, is super, super important. And, and do you teach in your job, because you do um, video works, right? So you teach a lot of people, especially as a, somebody who's done a lot of interviews before, you're teaching people how to show up on camera. Do you think it is something that it is teachable? You know, when people come to me and they say, you know, I don't really know what my personal brand is and I'm like, I, I can't write your profile. You really need to know what your value. For me, I'm like, you've got to do the work and then come back to me. If you don't know what, it, what problems you solve and who you, you solve them for, I, I kind of can't write your profile. But you, do you actually help people with that teaching part? And, and how do you teach it? I think for me, learning to be myself um, and learning to be comfortable in not being liked has um, it probably started when I was 40 and I'm 47 now and I think every year I've just gotten a lot more fierce. Um, That's how it goes. I started at 35. <laughs> yeah, you know, so for me it's just been like peeling back the onions, I suppose, uh, and being okay with making people's waters, you know, eyes water. Um, <laughs> do you teach it, Eloise? You know, how do you get people to do it? Um, well, I do. I would say that depending on someone's personality, um, if people need help with branding and things like that and they want like a corporate video or something done, if they're not overly confident in their own right to do their own presenting to camera and upload their own videos and things like that, then I would step in and say, listen, you know, I could do a corporate video or I can interview you and, um, you know, then I, then I have the control and I can edit it effectively and make them appear as confident as possible um, and so that they can get their messages out in a branded in a branded way and also uh, in a very polished way. Um, other people are way more confident, you know. I'm just thinking of a real estate agent, for example. They're always talking, they're always presenting. You can just hand them a tripod and, you know, microphone and a video and, and you know, give them a few tips and they can already do it. So, so that pretty much shows that, yeah, anybody can learn it. But, again, you know, if you've got someone more confident, you know, they're going to fly and, and other people might need a bit more help and just a bit more, a few more tips but. You know, everybody will get there. So I was just going to say that um, I, I help people who are uncomfortable with putting themselves in their brands all the time. And I liken it to therapy insofar as I'm not giving them the answers. I'm not saying, okay, I'll define your personal brand for you. Mm -hmm. I'm asking the right questions that help get them there themselves, that get them thinking along the right pathways to be able to say, you know, originally they thought they were just kind of boring and there's nothing particularly you know, stand out about them. 
And then I get them thinking about certain things and I get them thinking about who they're talking to and what their audience might know, what their ideal audience might notice about them, what other people might notice about them. And, and I just get them kind of thinking in that, in those pathways where the things do hop out at them. And a lot of times also the things that we're used to kind of dampening down in order to fit in are the exact things that we need to put forward and put out there in order to be memorable. The real things. Again, it doesn't mean finding something to be like quirky and woo. It just means the things that maybe we're like, oh, well, I don't want to put myself out there as this because then these people won't like me. Those are the exact things that we need to be like, no, no, no. Is this real? Is this you? Does this make you happy? Do people notice this? Okay, stop hiding it. I just want to pick up on the idea that... um, what Christine said that a lot of people say, look, you know, I, I don't want to put myself out there. I, I, I don't mind being vanilla. I, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to, I don't want to put my head up. But I really want to pick up on why it's so important and more than ever important right at the moment to stand up and be Vegemite if you are Vegemite. Let's pick up on why it's so important and maybe more important than ever, to have a personal brand and own it. Can you start, Christine? It's so important now, isn't it? Uh, Sure. I I heard um, the marketer Mark Schaefer uh, speak at Social Media Marketing World a couple of years ago um, related to his book, The Marketing Rebellion. And Mm. he talked about kind of the different phases of marketing we've been in as a society. And we're now at a point where people really automatically mistrust marketing. If they feel like it's a marketing message, they turn off right away. And especially now with social media, social media was never meant to be Times Square full of billboards. Social media was supposed to be a chat with our friends and marketers crashed the party and tried to do the same old, same old. And people just tuned it out. You know, people, people hate it. They, the algorithm had to change because people were leaving in droves. The algorithm had to tamp down the advertising and the uh, broadcast messages in favor of conversations. People have, so what really has happened also in the same time is the rise of influencers and the rise of uh, things like spokespeople and really more of a rise of um, seeming not always organic word of mouth because the fact is influencers are paid. People people kind of know how the game works at this point. Yeah. But the fact is we are at a point where society, people will generally always trust a person over a brand or a personal message over a brand message. Even a person who works for a company they will trust more than the company's own message. And so um, really being able to function as a human being, as a human who is relating on a human level, it's always been important. It's always been extra important on social media, but now more than ever when we are constantly bombarded by those marketing messages that we no longer trust, we need to find people we can trust. And the only way to become a person that people trust is to be somewhat transparent to be pretty real and to be consistent if people see us showing up in consistent ways um over and over they they will come to believe that we are as we seem and again you should be as you seem let's have a bit of fun with this can can you guys uh explain and christine you can have a go at this can you explain what Vegemite is for people that have never heard of it and why it's so you know, on? It's an on and off product. You either love it and and I love it, or you hate it and I know people that hate it. 
what what is it, Christine? What do you see so Vegemite as, and why, why is this? Oh, I'm not the person to describe this. I've never been brave enough to try either Vegemite or Marmite, but I have been forewarned not to take a big spoonful of it. No, no. <laughs> You spread butter, then you spread a thin layer. I, I've been I've been briefed, but I've never had the opportunity. Karen, you want to go? It's an Australian thing. It's an Australian thing. So our Vegemite, um, the UK has something called Bovril, um, or used to have hundreds of years ago. Yeah, and the yeah. UK has, has Marmite now. Um, so it's a very thick yeast paste that you put on top of bread and toast. It is almost completely devoid of sugar, and it's just almost pure salt. Um, so it's a very, very, very sp- strong tasting. And, uh, yeah, you either love it or you don't. You Australian need- caviar. Yes, yeah, Australian Well, it is. Would you agree? Would you agree? Would you constantly. But yeah, yeah, I, would, I would go, you know, go as far as to say it's, it's pretty addictive. So, um, you know, the kids and adults like. If they like it, they'll probably have it pretty often. So um, yeah. you probably won't find that many houses without it. So I think it's about being comfortable to polarise people and I think, um, as Christine said, you know, social media has sort of grown from being a place where you hung out with your friends and where you built community. Now, when we look at what's happened in the past year, particularly where you are, Eloise and Keith, you know, in Melbourne, um, one of the the most affected cities in the entire world with the longest um, shutdown, I mean, there were months there where you weren't allowed to travel more than five kilometres was there without a permit. We only you know, lost so that the last Monday. So when we think about the repercussions of that globally, you know, you've got, um, you know, events that were normally being held, conferences, um, just even meeting people at the water cooler, meeting people in hotel foyers, in, in you know, at local cafes, office foyers. None of those things are happening. So all our interaction has gone online. People are yearning for connection more than ever, um, yeah. particularly in lockdown. People want to see different faces. They want to see different voices. They want to feel like they're a part of the world. I mean, it's part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is yeah. to belong yeah. and to want to connect. And so I think this year people are wanting to connect even more and they're finding it harder to do so. And so I think we're we're flocking to social media, but it was never designed to have loud billboards and flashing lights. And I think, so I think this idea of being like Vegemite rather than vanilla is this idea of putting your values on the outside. And if people don't like your values, so I posted today on LinkedIn about, um, you know, how we all need to be like like chefs. You know, we just need to give away our recipes People will come to our restaurant, but just give, give, give. And, you know, and you've got some people going, you know, and you've got some people going, oh, no, you know, you should gate your IP. I get paid for my thoughts. Give away, you know, so I think it's this whole idea of, of showing your values. But, mm-hmm. but that piece on LinkedIn, it's really divided people. And that's good, you know, because it's starting a conversation. So I think we need to see content as conversations and I think we need to see our personal brand as having our values on the outside yeah. um, and just being brave enough to stay true to that. And I love what you pointed out about not gating your content and sharing your ideas. That is so key towards becoming trusted. I'm definitely going to go weigh in on that LinkedIn post. I have strong feelings. Well, I always hold some things back and I'm like, really? Because people can sense, they can sense when you're holding back as much as they can sense yeah. in authenticity, you know? And I think, 
You know the the um I don't know if you're allowed to swear on um on this. So the 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 BS yeah. factor is quite high. Like people can sense that, you know, they they can feel it. So I think you need to really turn up as your self. Yeah, yeah. And really just give. And I think while everybody nowadays should be creating content that's helpful, that's sharing their tips, because everybody's creating how-to posts, which are the best sort of posts, everybody should be giving. A lot of that content's quite bland. A lot of the way people are showing yeah. up on LinkedIn. It's very safe, isn't it? It's very oh, safe. Oh, very safe. You know, let's let's put out all these posts on Facebook and and LinkedIn and Twitter, and we'll just share our information. But that that becomes very thin and very interchangeable with other people who are doing the same sort of work and solving the same problems with a similar solution. So I think your personal brand, your values that differentiate you in the marketplace. If you don't show your values, if you don't show who you are, you're just another product pusher. And if it were just about the information, you can Google absolutely anything and find an answer for it. You follow the people you follow. You trust the experts you trust because they've shown up for you in that way. Yeah, and a few things I would like to point out. Um, I went to the Public Relations Institute of Australia conference last year and I actually ended up doing a corporate video for them. It went all day long and I'm just pulling up on some points that you guys have said that trust, the concept of trust um, was so important. Um, The message that was being conveyed from every single company and every single person that was speaking was that they're all trying to get people to trust them. So, again, with your personal branding, if you can tie that into it in some way in your messaging, in your, you know, your your campaigns, your TV ads, your radio ads, your, your social media, then you're more likely to, you know, draw people to you and what you're offering. Um, and the other thing I would say also is that obviously in the time of coronavirus, so many people have lost jobs or their businesses or they're really, really struggling. So in order to, you know, keep business flowing, um, that's why I think personal branding is so important at the moment. That's why you might like to invest in it. It doesn't always cost a lot. You may need to pay people to help you with it, but there's a lot of things you can do by yourself, which I think we'll be leading um, into shortly. Um, but, yeah, just the moment with so many businesses going down um, and then in order to compete, keep competing with other people in the marketplace, I think it's a really good idea to work on your personal branding. Yeah. Well, let me pick up on a couple of things you've said there. One of the phrases that I use for myself, because I'm a very Vegemite type of person, you either love what I do or you hate. I've got this accent. I can't help how I speak, but I'm using it. I'm milking it. Like even Wisdom Wednesdays isn't even in the time zone I personally live in. Like Wisdom <laughs> Wednesdays is actually yesterday for me. So I'm, I'm leveraging my Aussie-ness. I'm leveraging my Vegemite. But the, the phrase that I use all the time is the best way to avoid criticism is to do nothing. And I've tried that. I've tried hide now. But it's very boring and it's very unsatisfying. That also so doesn't some- fly anymore. This year especially, and especially where I am in the United States, um, we've, had, we've had a lot of controversial events uh, going on where mm. companies are getting dragged for doing nothing. So it's wow. not even safe to do nothing anymore. Now you get criticized for doing nothing. Now people demand that they have a little more insight into your brand values. Yeah. yeah, we saw that around Black Lives Matter. Yeah, if people yeah. didn't stand up and show their opinion, mm-hmm. um, even if your opinion's not always the same as other people's, I think if you're not showing your values, and this is where I mean, you know, if you're creating content and, you know, you're putting yourself out, yourself out there, you need to show your values because that, that creates that cut through. 
you know that creates that differentiating factor it kind of it's more flesh on the bones if you like it's less yeah you know it's it's less like well that's great you solved my problems but I don't know who you are and you've got it's to have that no like and trust. yeah you've got to have that no like and trust and that only comes I think by by sharing your position also a fun fact for you um, and, and you guys are probably all over this anyway. Um, but the average American meets 80,000 people in their lifetime. Wow. 80,000. Yeah, Google it. It's like solid stats backed up by your government, reported by heads. Many more than that. <laughs> well, I just thought that just can't physically be possible. Sat down, got up our calculator, did the math many times because I kept coming up with different numbers. But that's like 15 people a week from the age of 16. That's so when year. you yeah, so when you put it like that and you think, you know, like I used to be a recruiter, you know, pimping people, yeah, I met far more than 15 people a week, you know. Yeah, so I think, yeah. you know, so I think that's, again, where that personal brand is so important because you need that cut through and, and we are so much more interconnected than our parents were or our grandparents were. So we're so much more immemorable. We think we're special, but, you know, everybody else has met yeah. hundreds of other people. Well, with that in mind, let's move on to the third question. That is, let's assume that personal branding is a thing and that we have to do it. What's the best way to do it? What, what? Give us some tips, some takeaways that we can we can really chew on today. What, what's a good way to start building and improving your personal brand so that you do stand out for those fifteen people a week? Oh, there's so many ways. So many ways. Uh, where, I mean, where do you start? There's so many things you can do. You can uh, work on your website, improve your website. You can pay for somebody to help you with your branding and your marketing campaigns and strategies. Uh, you can grow your LinkedIn audience. Uh, don't be shy. Reach out to people. Um, and if they accept, write them a message straight away and say thank you for accepting. Um, and you can do the same with all your social media platforms. You can do daily branding videos and get your messages out there that way to all of your social media so that people are constantly seeing your face, constantly hearing what you do and what you stand for, what services you offer, how you can help them. And also it's also, um, yeah, people like to know how you can help them. It's important. Um, you can get new logos done. Um, the list goes on. You can get a new corporate website done. You can um, train other people within your organization to do more public speaking so that you know your brand as a whole is getting out there more reaches a greater audience um, those are just some of the tips the other thing I thought of was that you could um, do a questionnaire and ask people how you could improve how they'd like to see you improving your personal branding that way taking into account you know the people who know you or that you work with to see what they think uh, so ask ask the tribe yeah, start, they know what sticks up. out about you more than you do. Yeah, do a 360. Christine, what do you think are some of the key ingredients that people can do right away to start improving their personal brand? It's a great question. Uh, one really big thing is to get rid of the idea that by defining yourself as something, it will limit you from other things. People will always find you for other things, whether you like it or not. So I've worked, I, I know that... Um, that realtors were mentioned before. And I've worked for realtors where I'm like, well, what's your thing? You know, like who really should be finding you? And they're like, well, I can do all sorts of things. I can help someone with a new condo here or an old fixer up or here. I was like, I know, but what's your thing? Like who really needs to find you? And they're worried because they're like, but I still want the other business too. I'm like that you'll get it. People will find you. It's just, yeah. you need to shoot your beacon up in the air for something and you know make sure that the right people see it 
other people will still find you. So getting over the idea that defining yourself is pigeonholing yourself. The idea that mm. defining yourself is limiting yourself and realizing that it actually frees you in so many ways. It also um, makes creating content so much easier because you sort of have a pathway to follow. Yeah. You know that you're creating content that's sort of in your lane, on your topic of expertise, in your style, and you can work with what that is. But the fact is it really, putting those blinders on kind of really does make the path forward that much more clear, You can, as opposed to not being able to see the forest for the trees. Live yeah. video is one of my favorite things because you that's really real, right? Anyone can be coached and sort of trained. Well, not anyone, but the fact is you can, you can do a million takes of a video reading a script and getting it just right and having it edited just so. And that's fine, too. I mean, that's good to have for sure. But when someone shows up live, there's no safety net. When someone shows up live, they're speaking off the cuff. And so being able to see that they can speak off the cuff, first of all, it's a good sign. Seeing how they behave, seeing how they feel. Yeah. It's it's the closest to meeting someone in real life you're going to get. And when you do meet people in real life, make sure that your real life self, the person who shows up, is consistent with that online persona you've led people to believe. Because I've seen people who are super, seem really, really warm and giving you know, on their YouTube channel or whatever. And then you meet them in person and they're cool to, they're too cool to talk to you. And, you know, so just be consistent, make sure that whoever you're showing up as online in your content, in your mm. live videos, in your recorded videos, okay. make sure that person shows up in real life and that you're prepared to, um, to be that person, which is much easier if you actually are that person to begin with. Yeah. Let's pick up on this, Karen, because you've, you've been a recruiter and you know exactly what it's like to have a, a number of candidates. I would imagine if someone has a very clear sense of themselves and is clearly demonstrating that, they must, by definition, have a better chance of getting that job, I would think. And that would translate to personal branding, wouldn't it? It does, absolutely. It makes them much more memorable and it creates a cut through. And I think too, uh, we've got Trisha doing some very clever comments on this um, on this StreamYard thing. And, and I think, you know, I love her comments around energy, you know. I, I think... Um, you know, it's really about looking at the energy and, and when we think of it as energy, and I know that sounds very like woo-woo, um, and I deal a lot with engineers actually, I write a lot for engineers, but but bear with me here. I, I think it's a lot of people think we need to look outside ourselves for who we are and I think actually there's a lot to be said for looking outside ourselves. So, you know, when we've had a day's work or, or done an hour's work and we're feeling something, whether it's negative or positive, just sort of going, okay, how am I feeling? Where, where are my energy levels? What's giving me energy? And, and seeing that that is actually forming part of who we are and what our brand is. So I think really looking at our energy and really looking at what we're talking about. And I think that that translates into us talking with great passion about the things we really care about and it attracts people who talk yeah, who are interested yeah. in that so you know so often I'll meet people and they'll be in financial services and they'll be like you know I hate financial services and and I'm desperate to get out of it and I've got this big secret and I can't tell my wife can't tell everybody anybody I'm like you can't tell your wife and they're like no I've got two kids in private schools you know this has to be a huge secret that I hate what I'm doing and I need to change my LinkedIn profile so it attracts what I want. And we look at, you know, and I'm looking at, I'm Googling them, I'm having a look at all their social media stuff and all they're talking about is financial services. And I'm like, you need to stop talking about the thing you don't like. 
bring it back to your energy. What gives you energy? That's what you focus on, you know, and I think we get what we put out there. And it's not just a woo-woo idea. It's how people remember us. If we're always talking about something, you know, like Christine said, don't, don't think that actually that will reduce your opportunities. Counterintuitively, when you actually narrow what it is you're talking about, you stand out more, you get more work, and then you can build more streams of yep. that. So can we pick up on how someone would do that, Karen? You, you've probably had a good, uh, good level of experience here. Joey, big hello to Joey, who's a very active member of our Facebook group. She's at, she's asked the question. Well, how do you niche? What is the, What does that really mean? How do you do it? If you if you're not familiar with that that idea that that uh, that sort of process, how do you do it? Yeah. So I, I think you have to pick just a, a few things that it is that you stand for and not talk about a wide range of different things. So be really crystal clear on what it is you stand for and whether that's of interest to your audience. So you might, um, so for instance, I'm, I'm really into um, standing up for women's rights and it's something I've spoken about a bit recently. Um you know, is, is don't, you know, don't do this, don't do that, da, 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 da. but, you know, I, that's not really my core thing. So I'll sort of do it once every sort of nine posts or something as I'll put out something a bit more personal. You know, I think you need to stay within your lane and only talk about the things that really interest you. Yeah. Um, so sort of find out what it is that really interests you. Pick a couple of core values and just talk about them, you know. So for me, it's are people really showing up on LinkedIn and are they being themselves? So making sure that you're not talking about yourself, sorry, Keith, but not talking about yourself as if you're not yourself, you know. So when you've got a LinkedIn profile that talks about you like you're not you, then... Ah, uh, yeah, like, uh, let me pick up on what you've just said there because I'm happy to... Yeah. You know, my my LinkedIn profile is a Wikipedia post. Keith Keller is... Now I have to go com. look for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a Wikipedia post, like I'm. it's a posthumous post like Keith Keller was. I, I get it. I totally yeah. get what you're saying. I write my LinkedIn profile in the third person. Like you're not you. Like, like we can't have a conversation. And I think we need to come back to Christine's thing that social media has all been created to build community, to build yeah. relationships. Yeah. This is not where we're bringing along our billboard and being who can shout the loudest. But it's actually where we're showing up as ourselves mm. and contributing to conversation. You've done your homework. You've, you've Googled me. <laughs> You've linked in me, haven't you? Well, I had to when I turned up the day before yesterday and I was like, how do I get hold of Keith? I need to phone him because he's not online and StreamYard should be starting. But I had the wrong day. Ah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. the way yeah, is to say yes to as many opportunities as well if you want to get your personal brand out there. I do a lot of networking. Um, before coronavirus, I go to lots and lots of networking events. I get lots of invitations um, to things in the city, out and about. I, do, I usually don't know anybody. I often go by myself and I just network. I just walk around the room, talk to everybody. There might be a glass of champagne. There might be a cup of tea. Otherwise, I might just say COVID. COVID. She hasn't been breaking COVID rules in Melbourne. No, no. no. Um, and, yeah, I just um, get out of your comfort zone as well. I mean, you're not going to grow or, you know, do anything different if you're still in your comfort zone. Um, and, yeah, just obviously within reason. Um, Say yes mm. to more opportunities if you've got the time and if it's, you know, cost-effective for you or your business. See what else you can do that you hadn't previously thought about. Wow. And there's online yeah. opportunities too. Yeah. For me, it's yeah. actually been the opposite. I've been the opposite to Eloise. I've been like, no, you know, I, I, 
I think I've had this yes default. So for me, it's been about not saying yes to everything, but it's been actually about being okay with saying no. So that's awesome to hear that your journey's been quite different to mine. You know, because mine's like it's actually saying no. No, I, I don't. I don't write resumes. I don't care how much you're going to pay me. I write LinkedIn profiles. Mm. You know, so I'm I'm everybody's different. I, I know you were saying, you know, just focus on a few core values, and, and that might be great for some, but and other people might like to talk about lots of different things. Um, yeah, I just I like to talk about lots of different things, which again may not be the right thing, but I think everybody's different. And I think if you can yeah. find the personal branding that's right for you and heading back to the authenticity, if it feels right for me and authentic for me, then I will be yeah. conveying it in a way that people believe okay. me. And, like, I might like law, journalism, photography, you know, catwalking, you know, networking, and it might be too many things, but if I'm passionate about it, I will convey that and people will know, oh, I could go to Eloise to collaborate with her on this, even though she usually does that. Maybe I could go to her for that. Mm. I might not be right, but a friend of mine does, <laughs> a friend of mine does mortgages and photography and massage. Yeah, <laughs> and he he does very well at all three. Though he has mostly been branding himself as a photographer lately because he wants to get more of that. I think part of what you're saying is it's a good idea to go broad to try things and to see what's yeah. out there and see what catches on and give yourself opportunity. Let's, but grab, grab, let's grab the URL. Thing. Let's grab this URL. Messaging massaging the mortgage. Yes. But at a certain point, you got like, I, I feel like part of it also is where you are in your branding journey. I feel like I had to go broad at the beginning because I had to see what was going to catch on, not only with other people, but also with myself. But now, especially during this year, I've, I've had way too many online opportunities come my way and it feel it feels like too much. And so I've, I've had to learn which ones I want to go deeper on. So instead yeah. of being like, how many different places can I hit this week? Instead, it's more like, I want to do more with this group. I want to do more with this group. Because these are the places where I find value. And I'm going to bring myself more frequently to those groups than maybe I ever did before. Because I don't have to leave the house. So it's kind of easier. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's other groups that I'm sort of divesting from in some ways. Not because there's anything wrong with them. But just because where my limited energy this year yeah. is going um i have done enough of these things in a broad way i've tried enough of these things to really have given them a fair shake and to understand now which ones i want to go deeper on mm. yeah micro niching micro niching i like that and what is it you always say in the states the riches are in the niches yeah <laughs> the riches are in the niches even but though there's no tea in niche is there there's no tea in niche no, no, I say niche, but yeah, the riches are in the niches. We yeah. are. <laughs> We've talked about what's the best way to to build your personal brand, but the big question that a lot of people ask me is where do I go to LinkedIn? Do I go to Pinterest? Do I go to YouTube? Do I, and Eloise might say everything, but you know, I'm a Twitter dude. I, I, I am a Twitter dude. I, I've decided in 2010, a line in the sand, I'm going to be the dude for Twitter. I, I set myself, I can tell you this as a disclosure, I set myself in July 2010 the goal of being in the top 100 people on LinkedIn. I can now tell you that I'm nice. number 17. So I set a goal and don't ask me about Snapchat. Who's don't doing these me. rankings? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. <laughs> but uh, and we'll, we can debrief this on uh, in a minute. But um, the idea is that, what sites are the best 
for personal branding. Now, obviously, there's there's different ones, but let's have that discussion. Is it LinkedIn? Is it is it Snapchat? Is it TikTok? Do you have Eloise a skateboard? You're really big on Instagram, aren't you, Eloise? And oh, I really have. I've only got about a thousand followers, but I do oh, like okay. it. I do like it. Well, let's start well, that discussion. I, I don't have an Instagram know. account, so I was hoping I could learn about Instagram from ah. you. I, I, I've heard Instagram is great for personal brand. I, I have a girlfriend who believes she's found her tribe on Instagram, and and she loves it, you know. And she's really, you know, she's a, a huge fan. But I, I just can't really get Instagram myself. For me, I love LinkedIn because when you talk to somebody because social media is conversation, you can see what their position title is, where they work, where they went to university, and hopefully their their about section is written in the first person and it shares some of their values. So you can see see who they are and you can get a bit of a feeling for them. So with Instagram, I'm like, I don't understand how you can have found your tribe, but and you, you know, you've seen all these pictures of their kids, you know what their dog looks like, you know what their cat looks like, the birds in their backyard, but you don't even know what they do for a living or where they, but she thinks I'm too judgmental. So what, what do you reckon? You know, what do you think, Eloise, Christine? You know, like I, I just can't see how other platforms work. Um, I use the different ones for different purposes and I think it's important to think about who your audience is. So with LinkedIn, I use that a lot for business. I use it a lot for, I upload videos and things constantly to LinkedIn. Use it for business. I do a lot of uh, networking for business contacts on LinkedIn. I, you know, um, liaise with people in all different countries, um, introduce myself via that method, uh, later maybe go on and have coffee with some of them or met them, you know, on trade, trade missions, um, things like that. So definitely business contacts. Um, via LinkedIn. Uh, Facebook I use, I keep it quite small. I, uh, LinkedIn I, I have lots of connections. Facebook I, I keep it mainly to family and friends um, and maybe a few people I don't know. Sometimes I go crazy and add a whole lot of people I don't know and then, you know, I don't really know who they are. So, um, yeah, I don't really use that. I use that for business. It's more my kids, my family and, you know, you know, what I'm doing on this beautiful day. Uh, Instagram, I use a lot of my modelling and acting type photos um, and I think it's a much younger audience. I may not be correct in that, but I feel like it is a much younger audience. Um, and I have met people at networking events who have said that, you know, had million-dollar businesses from just selling only through Instagram. I think that was a coffee-related business. Yeah, it's there's, it's a big e-commerce site, isn't it? So yeah, I think it is. Yeah, so I think if you've got, um, if you're doing e-commerce, you should be on Instagram, but as yourself, to Christine's point, people buy from people, they don't buy from companies. And, yeah, um, yeah and my girlfriend actually, she doesn't have an e-commerce business, but she spent so much money through Instagram. Yeah. She follows these women who she feels are her tribe, who she really loves, and then she sees that one of them's gone out and got a new handbag or something. She thinks, oh, I like that handbag, and then she clicks on it and she can purchase it or something. So, I think it works really well for e-commerce. How does Twitter work, though, Keith? Because you know, I'm I'm new to Twitter and I'm I'm probably failing fast and doing all the wrong things. Because with Twitter, it's constant conversations, right? And you build relationships, but you don't like people don't even use their their own name often, right? I like, they do. I feel like that's one of the things I like better about Twitter than Instagram is that I feel like they're more likely to be under their name. Ah, more likely. Oh, well, Instagram I'm not on at all, so I can't compare Twitter to Instagram because I'm a bit I'm completely ignorant on. So, I'd, love so to your thoughts, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Christine, because I personally do not like Instagram. 
I don't mm-hmm. like it. I don't. I just. I tried it. It's not my thing at all. So yeah. I'd be. I'd be very interested to hear how Kristen uses both because she's quite prominent on both. So, but I'll pick up on what she says because I know quite a lot about Twitter, as you know. But I only use Twitter and LinkedIn. I personally don't like Instagram, so I can't comment on it because I don't personally like it. Same. I, I'm not even on it. So tell us, Christine. I, so I've, I've worked with all the, I, I call the big four. So of course, that would be to me, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Yes, there's TikTok. Yes, there's Snapchat. Yes, there's a million other things. Yes, there's YouTube, but I focus on these four. And I've had quite a journey with it, I have to say, because the conventional wisdom is, where are your clients? And so by that conventional wisdom, my clients were generally not on social media, which sucked because that's where I I like to be. Um, If they were on anything at all, they were on Facebook, begrudgingly, maybe sometimes Instagram and a lot of the businesses that I used to work with and I still work with, but I'm moving into kind of different business areas now. um, A lot of them were the sort who would do well on Instagram. And once I sort of helped them crack that code, they started Mm. doing well on Instagram. Um, Almost none of my clients are Twitter people. And I insist that everybody needs to be on LinkedIn. I just think it's a fact. I think everyone who does business needs to be on LinkedIn, no matter what your business is. But personally, I have discovered... So Facebook was kind of my ride or die. I was definitely like a Facebook defender when people were saying, oh, Facebook Mm. sucks now. I'm leaving Facebook. Can't get anything on it. I was like, well, no, no, you can't just start conversations. Um, And Instagram, I feel like, is really fun and positive and nice. I finally, just months ago, gave in to the reality that my most engaged audience was on Twitter. Mm. And I had Mm. been hesitant i had been really really resisting the heck out of that because first of all my client base wasn't there second of all the clients i work with were not people who needed to be there so i was like so what is twitter giving me and i and then finally i started realizing that i was getting a really engaged audience on twitter and once i embraced it i've started discovering first of all i'm starting to connect with those people on multiple platforms so the people i engage with a lot on twitter I'm starting to add them to my LinkedIn. If they have a business Instagram that's not a super personal one, I'll add them on Instagram. So I'm able to move, the, and a lot of them are joining my email list now. So I'm able to move my Twitter audience to other platforms more easily than I am my audience from other places. Yeah. I've also discovered that my Twitter audience gets me opportunities. And especially now that I'm adding my Twitter, um, my Twitter relationships to become LinkedIn relationships as well. I'm having better conversations on LinkedIn. I'm getting more opportunities from LinkedIn. So I feel like Twitter has actually led me to more opportunities. And finally, I have changed my offerings to better serve the type of people who are engaging with me on Twitter. I'm like, okay, your audience isn't on Twitter, but your Twitter audience is really engaged. How about you make your Twitter audience your audience? And overall, the the advice that I give a lot of my clients now is it's less about where do you need, where should you be? It's more about what will you actually do and maintain and where will you shine? Where will you shine and and be there? I'm very interested in this, Karen, because because you ha- are very big on LinkedIn, my gut feeling, and we'll have this discussion in detail, um, LinkedIn and Twitter are brothers and there's a lot of crossover between LinkedIn and Twitter. There's a lot of yep. crossover. Very similar audience, very similar, just Good for very oh, educated. They're the best thought leadership establishment platforms for yeah. sure. 
Yeah. So if you if you love LinkedIn, it's it's not too big a jump to get good at Twitter because the yeah. same people are there. I'm not saying I use Twitter, Twitter. Like I have videos that automatically post to Twitter. I have videos that automatically post to everywhere. I use Twitter less than everywhere else, but I think that I really need to work on building that up. Um, I used to work in TV news reporting, and I know all the journalists are there, all the news directors. Mm. Everybody's there, mm. writing, you know, um, their opinion on the news constantly. Um, and I do love LinkedIn, so I think that's somewhere I would like to improve. Christine, can I ask you uh, if you had, you know, requests from whole stack of people on all your different platforms, do you say yes to everybody? Do you say no, uh, do you say no to, you know, half of them? And, and, and how do you choose someone to, that you will confirm? And, and is it just your gut instinct or can you give me some tips on what you would do? Definitely very different criteria for each of the platforms. So regarding LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn and Facebook are the only ones where it actually is a connection request, um, first of all. So when it comes to LinkedIn, um, I go up and down. Um, I try not to have there be no reason to say yes. I have started saying no to more people as more randos come my way as I'm a little more prominent, but um, I don't have to know you. And my mood factors in. Sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to go through this whole list. I haven't looked at my request in a while. Fine. Yes, yes, yes. But a lot of, because the fact is I don't have to really engage with them, but I don't say yes to everyone. I know some people are very into saying yes to everyone. And I, I don't like that. Um, when it comes to Facebook, I don't friend everyone. Um, and again, where I draw my line, how far in I draw my line really does vary especially since I'm very active in my local community. So if I have like 120 mutual friends with somebody and they're all in my village, I'm a little more likely to say yes to them even if I don't know them. Um, I see who we have in common and maybe I'll add people, um, but generally speaking, it's a little harder to get a yes from me on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter, I don't do follow for follow. Um, if someone is following me and engages with me regularly, I will often see, oh, am I following that person? But a lot of times on Instagram and on Twitter, I'm in it for my own experience. Um, if Do I want to see that person's posts on my Instagram feed? Then sure, I'll follow them. But I don't do a tit for tat thing. And uh, same with Twitter. Do I want to see that person's post on my Twitter feed? I have started now that I run a Twitter chat that's gotten a lot of traction on Tuesdays, chat about brand. I have started following the people who participate in chat about brands and I add them to a Twitter list. And that has turned out to be good. Because first of all, the type of people who join the chat are actually the type of people who are having the conversations I want to be a part of. Um, and Second of all, it's, it's just turned out to, to be really good, especially now that I'm doing that cross-platform strategy where I'm also adding people to my LinkedIn. And I need to get more together with looking at all the things. Are they on my email list? All of that. I need to pull that together a little bit better. But I feel like if they're involved in the type of conversations that I'm involved in in Twitter, then yes, I probably, probably will bring value to my feed. But just because someone followed me, yeah, I don't feel any obligation to follow them. My feed is my feed. I love that. I love that. Keith, how have you and Christine done so well on, on Twitter, you know, for, for so many people who are watching this? <laughs> and, and then you, like, how do you, how do you, how do you get big on Twitter? How does that happen? Yeah, okay. So um, Brian Tracy in July 2010, I watched this DVD and he said, I want you to pick one thing you want to be world famous for. That's the premise. So I decided to do Twitter. But what I do is I'm very humble in the sense that 
I'm just one guy in the suburbs of Melbourne, an hour from the city, and look, you may not have heard of me. And I'm coming from that premise, so I follow people. Like right there, people have said to me, oh, mate, I'm the lead singer of a band. I'm in, I'm in the parliament. I mean, I'm, I'm on journo. Why should I follow? People should know me. I'm the dude. Right? I'm not the dude. I'm just a guy in the suburbs who happens to be very passionate about Twitter. So I follow every day new people, every single day. It's like uh, going to a networking event. I follow journos, I follow radio people, I follow people that are into live streaming, and I openly follow them from the point of view that maybe you might follow back. And when they do, I say hello. Yeah. Hey, Christine, how are you going? Are you in New York State or are you, you know my friend Linda who lives in Connecticut? Is that far from you? So <laughs> I, find, I find a way yeah. to look at their profile and pick something. Hey, you, you must not know this person. So you're always having those conversations. For you, I'm it's about DMs. DMs. I love DMs. Yep. Personalized yeah, I know. direct messages. So <laughs> I'll say, hello, Eloise, where do you live in Melbourne? I noticed you're in Melbourne, but where in Melbourne do you live? Right? And you should say Brighton, which is just up the road, really, from me. So again, well, that's we can when we can we can have a coffee. The twenty five k rule is in, but it's going to go on the eighth uh, of November. So we can probably meet in real life one day. <laughs> but why don't we do that? So I'm always in Twitter specifically, but also LinkedIn. I'm also always saying, what do you do, and what do you we have in common? Forget me. I'm just a guy in the suburbs. But what do you do? And let me help you first. Like Eloise comes on my show. I'm helping her. Now she thinks I'm a legend. Maybe not, but the point is that, you know, she, there's this thing. There's this thing. So I'm always a, like a servant leader, if you like. Yeah, I, and Christine I, said that similar. Yeah, just give, 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 which is very much my philosophy. And is that how you've gotten quite um, gained traction as well, Christine, just by giving, giving? Yeah, well, I have nowhere near the people that Keith has. <laughs> but again, I was resisting Twitter until a couple months ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes, um, I'm a little less into the DMs um, than Keith is simply because I'm spreading myself across more platforms. So yeah. if I spent so much time reaching out to everyone on Twitter, I just wouldn't get anything done. But um, so I feel like that's actually a good reason to focus on really rocking fewer platforms and doing going deeper again going deeper not broader i feel mm, like that's a good mm, argument mm. in that favor um i'm trying i feel like starting a twitter chat has actually been really good in helping me focus this because um i have a list now so i have those people who are on the list and i can really mm. focus on making sure that i'm engaging with them and it grows of course and through them, I meet other people. And I'm, try I'm trying to get better at that. I'm trying to get better use at making lists in general on Twitter. So I can make sure that those are the people I'm focusing on engaging with. And making and those are the people who I can cross-check and make sure, are we on LinkedIn together? Are they on my email list? All of that stuff. And then maybe I can grow beyond those people. But I want to make sure that um, I'm engaging with those people a little bit more. Can I just so, pick up on a few things you said? Karen, uh, you keep going. Keep going. You're on. The, you're and then on they the recommend way. me to people. That's the other thing. They tag me in things. They recommend me to people. And I show up on other people's Twitter chats is another huge thing. I show up on other yeah. people's Twitter chats. I tweet other people's presentations at conferences. I, I really try to um, connect in that way. And that actually brings a lot to me as well. Well, let me pick up on what you've just said. There's a couple of really key points that people may not be familiar with. 
Twitter chats are the coolest thing if you've got the headspace yes. for them. They spin me out. I don't personally like them. But <laughs> basically at a, at a time period, it might be 7 p.m. Wednesday nights, 10 a.m. in Melbourne, you will say, we're going to be on Twitter with this hashtag. There's no visuals. I can't see you. We're just chatting. It's a Twitter chat. But they go ballistic because they're very targeted, they're very time efficient, and you're there and then you're not there. It's not like this banter at various times at night. At 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night, or what's your what time is your Twitter chat? Mine, mine is at 12 noon Eastern time uh, on Tuesdays. Which is about 4 in the morning for us. But the yep. point is, 12 o'clock midday on a Tuesday, you know you can go to hashtag... Chat about brand. Chat about brand. But here's the thing, they have to go to my profile because they have to see when I've asked a question, when I've asked question one, and then they all respond A1 and their answer and the hashtag. So it is organized. It's a Q&A situation usually. That's for right, it's a and a It's extremely frustrating. My brain can't cope with it. Even though I'm a Twitter dude, my brain just cannot cope with Twitter chats. And so these live streams form that function for me. We're chatting. We're asking questions. People can communicate. And that they're actually a almost like a visual Twitter chat. So first things first, Twitter chats are an extremely interesting way, and a very time-efficient way to do a, a lot of networking really fast. The other thing that Christine mentioned, which is my favourite thing about Twitter, is you have lists. So I have a Melbourne list. I have a New York list. I have a Sydney list. I can, you can have up to... a a thousand lists and up to five thousand people on each list. So what I personally do, again, this takes a little bit of time. Every time someone new follows me, I put them on a list. They're in Las Vegas. They're a live streamer. They're a podcaster. They're a recruiter. So that way, when when I'm doing a project like uh, Melbourne just got elected, let's go out. You know, I went to my Melbourne list and I said, "Where are you going? You going to the pub? It's open twelve o'clock tonight. You want a drink? Well, I'll meet you there. We can have twenty. Let's get in the line." I'm joking to make a point, but the point is that everyone has been in lockdown for 100 days. There's 5 million Melburnians dying to get around, and I've got a list of 4,600 of them. I don't know how you're this organized with almost 58,000 people. Very impressed. Well, but I, I don't know how you do this with 57,500 followers is the thing that I don't get. How? How do you organize well, all that? Well, okay. I, I, mean, don't let's, I don't get that many new ones every day, though. So, for instance, today, and a big hello to my friend Trish in the UK, I've yes, discovered this really cool pocket of really cool people in Milton Keys. Milton Keys, UK. That's a little hub that's going on. All these cool people hanging out in one location. So I would create a Milton Keys list, and everyone that follows me from Milton Keys goes on that list. So if ever, if ever I noticed, hey, I've got three new followers from Milton Keys, this is just a right mouse click, Milton Keys, bang, and then suddenly you've got this list. So if we do decide to do a bit of a Milton Keys-focused Twitter chat, I can then DM them to say, hey, we've got this thing. I know it's 11 o'clock at night your time, and if you're up, why don't you come in? And um, because it's very intentional, I know I'm going to use it, like, I know I'm going to use my list. Well, that's what I love about LinkedIn is you can use all the search filters. You don't need to have LinkedIn paid or LinkedIn sales navigator to just go search yeah. all your connections. So I don't yeah. have to do this because LinkedIn doesn't what you just said there, Karen. This is really important. Gary V said LinkedIn yeah. is Facebook of 2012. LinkedIn for me is intolerably boring. 
<laughs> intolerably boring. For you or for Gary Vee? Well, both. I don't know. Nothing Gary is boring. I'm sure he would say that. So, you know, you can't have a skateboard drink and cranberry juice on LinkedIn. You know, you can't go viral on LinkedIn with a video of you running around singing Fleetwood Mac songs. So, if you and that's well, a bad is, thing. I just say I want it. And how that's a bad thing. Well, it depends on what you want. So Facebook is, Twitter oh is fun. None. Well, that's one. That's one ROI. Let's think about what ROI is. ROI is what it is for you. So you know, I live in the suburbs. Of, I own my own house. I'm an hour from the city, and I'm in my fifties, and I'm settled. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a young gun trying to climb the tree. I'm 47, hardly a young gun trying to climb the tree. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm almost there. Um, don't own my own house yet. But um, but for me, I'm putting, maybe it's because I don't have my own house yet, but do you think it's, like, for me, it's the ROI. I'm, like, always putting a return on investment of my time. So time is money. If I want to make friends, I want to talk to my neighbour. Well, let's talk about ROI. If you've got a book, let's, this is very clean. If you've got a book, the ROI could be selling books. That's ROI. It could be um, getting that TED Talk. It could be getting on the Today Show. It could be getting a speaking gig in a big conference in the city where you can sell books at the back. ROI is what it is for people. It's not always the clients. So um, with Twitter, Twitter is branding. It's branding 101. You know, it's fast and it's funky and 58,000 people now get to see my live streams. How cool is that? I mean, that's ROI for me. But I think it's only super cool if it's if it's making, um, pulling business your way, no? No? Well, well I mean, the opportunities also have their own. Yeah. That's something I'm really discovering. I'm like, well... You know, I'm not getting my direct clients from this channel, but I'm getting opportunities that put me in front of audiences full of my ideal client, and then they yeah. contact me. Yeah, yeah. And I think you don't, you don't automatically, um, you know, monetize your connections if that's what you're trying to do straight away. You need to build relationships first. You need to build connections. Yeah, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying why why go on a platform or invest time in something if it's not going to either if they're not either going to become your advocates. Um, or, or they're not going to become your clients. If you can't help them or they can't help you, you may not really know them well enough yet. You might, might be like 18 months down the track, they might move into a different industry and all of a sudden they can become your client. That's true, actually. I have a few oh, clients no. now. That I, I have no. a few clients where the relationship goes back, you know, years and years. There's this one guy yes, where I'm we met at we met like four jobs ago each where we were each in a completely different yeah. industry. Yeah. I worked for a company and he was our contractor for something. We've each changed careers numerous times. Now he's in something else and he needs to learn social media strategy. So we never would have guessed that in a million years, but we stayed in touch on LinkedIn, which is very smart. And then we well, reached let's, out let's pick up on influencers a minute. Think about I Justine. I don't know if you know that name. I mm -hmm. Justine. A million followers. She sells products. I'm not sure she goes into the city and coaches people. You know, it's a matter of what ROI is for her. She's got a million followers and she sells stuff and people buy her stuff. She doesn't but have to talk I think about ROI of activity. So, you know, if you're going to spend time on something, I think, you know, because social media addiction is is huge and it's oh, yeah, um, yeah. and this yeah. year social media addiction has gone even higher. I mean, LinkedIn in, in Q2 2020 Activity increased by twenty seven percent. 
Um, LinkedIn thought it was going to lose money when uh, COVID hit because of the recruiter license, and it actually made 24% on what it did the same time last year. So, you know, so, I mean, they're making money. These social platforms exist not because um, they would like us all to be better friends, um, but because they want to keep us addicted. So for me to manage my own addiction and my own yeah, yeah, fair um, enough. Fair comment. My own extroversion, because I'm an extrovert. So I love to connect and make friends with people. But what's the point if there's not going to be some sort of ROI for somebody at some stage? You know, so, um, you know, so but Eloise, when they say, we'll say there could be a client 18 months later. So I had a, a client recently, and she won't mind me saying her name because she's allowed me to use her as an example, Carrie Ann Turner. Now, she's a very senior woman, really amazing. I met her in 2014 and I remember because when she walked in the room, she was so striking and I thought I would love to write a profile for such an amazing woman as her. She called me out of the blue a few months ago and I said, oh, yeah, I know you. We met in 2014 and she said, did we? (laughs) She didn't remember me but she had seen me in her LinkedIn feed continually. So a relationship made in 2014 finally turned into me writing her profile. So it's not about, I'm not about the quick win, I'm not about using people, but I'm also about if I wanted to make more, I've got, you know, your family, your friends are only around for so much time. You know, rather than make new friends on social media, you know, for me, it's more about an ROI in terms of that effort, you know. I want to pick up on a concept called the long tail. I don't know if you've heard of this idea. Yeah. So um, Candy Crush was this an amazing idea where someone said, I'm going to download this game and it's completely free. And someone said to this guy living with his mum in Germany, how are you going to make money doing that? Well, you watch me. So 50 million people downloaded this site and it was all free, but you get five games a day. But for $1, you can play again. Not talking to anyone, you're not, you don't have clients, you have customers. So Candy Crush made $186,000 a day at the height of its fame because people were playing this game at the bus stop going, five games, I'm up. But the bus hasn't come yet, it's only a dollar. So the original idea was free. The original idea was I don't want to talk to people, I want people to buy my stuff. They made $186,000 continuously for about 18 months from a game that was free. Gangnam Style, you know, was a video on Twitter, sort of YouTube, that had a billion views. At one cent a view, it's a million dollars, you know. So here's a guy in Korea doing this funny video, exactly the same as the guy on the skateboard singing Fleetwood Mac songs. It's ROI is different for different people. If you've got a client and you, you want to talk to a person and you want to sell things to that person, a real person, then maybe Twitter won't work. But Twitter is fast and funky and it's, it's designed for the creatives in the world that want to sell things to people who want to buy things but don't necessarily want to talk to you. Like StreamYard is a site that is 25 bucks a month. I haven't talked to the owner of that company. He hasn't talked to me. He's I've very nice. Yeah, he's a very nice person. I've seen him interviewed, but we haven't had a chat. I've bought, a, this is called a SaaS, a software as a service. You know, Buffer is 10 bucks a month. We've got a million clients. 
You know, there's all these sites that you can buy on the internet without actually having to talk to anyone. And so that's not necessarily a bad model, especially in lockdown. I can have everything delivered to my house for free. Don't have to go to the shops. So Twitter is a, it's a different type of animal. It's, it's very similar to TikTok and Snapchat in the way that it's fast and it's funky and it's phone-based. And you have to go in with that mindset. I choose to DM people because I love talking to people, but you don't have to. And LinkedIn obviously suits you because you your model of the world is based on talking to a real person, offering that one person a service. But what well, if you could... Yeah, giving them information and they'll either turn into your advocate or they'll but turn into your people. customer or you'll work together somehow. But single people. I yes. personally don't work with single people anymore, people that are on their own. I actually sell products. My, we have this bigger view. It's a different view. It's not better. It's just bigger. So rather than one-on-one, time for money, I actually sell products on the internet. And those products are purchased, and that money goes in my PayPal account, and from that PayPal account I can buy cranberry juice and skateboards. You know, so it's a different way of viewing. Personally, I find this stuff very exciting, but I think you're right that social media addiction can be a thing. You know, you're, you're really checking your messages when you should be cooking dinner or you get up an hour earlier while you're still sleeping in and you check your messages while really you should be sort of making a breakfast. People are dying being hit by cars because they're looking at their phones more. So we've got pedestrian deaths massively on the increase because people are compulsively checking their phones. Last week, uh, Eloise was dropping the kids off. She she calls me in the car. Actually, she accidentally called me because she bumps the phone, but we made, a, we made a thing of it. She goes, well, look, a while I got you, can I take a photo? I said, oh, geez, I'm morphing Doc Brown today. But we did. We took a photo. No shame. And there it is. Here's me talking to Eloise. We're telling, we're telling our story. We're in the world, we're doing things, and she, and you were just in the moment, weren't you? You just took a photo oh, spontaneously. Because you see, I have a special needs boy. I have two other kids as well. I have business. I, I do lots of things, and I don't have much time. Going back to what Karen was saying, you know, we have to make the most of every minute we have and, and, you know, focusing on the people who, you know, you're going to build relationships with. So I make the, I make the most of every second of my day. So... Um, yeah, if I can take a photo and then then I can post it on social media later saying I'm really looking forward to going on the kids' show. Um, yeah, just it's always great just to make the most of, of every opportunity and every minute. So that's what I do. And that's and human fun. content right there. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Right. Con- it content is. as, con- content as, as the, like, life as content. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love Joyce, that. tell me tell me what you're thinking. You've been listening for an hour now very patiently. What did you yeah. As a sort of an observer, where where were the sweet spots? I I love this whole conversation. You all just gelled so well and bounced off of each other so well and had some great um, tips. Well, Trisha was talking about LinkedIn stories. Have anybody tried LinkedIn stories yet? I haven't tried that yet. I'm not interested in them. You're no. not interested. Oh my god! No. I feel like you're my soul sister. Well, I'm not. The only the only thing that I've wondered about is because like Facebook, you know, now when you open Facebook, that's it's right there. So my yeah. first instinct is to click on it and I'll swipe a few, and then I'm like, wait a minute, that's not why I'm on here. Yeah, it's like that on LinkedIn now too. At the top of my LinkedIn, yeah, yeah. bubbles, but I'm not that interested in them. 
But, but I didn't know now, they'll get bigger. Right. With one thing that one of you said, and maybe you, Christine, about going deeper where you're at. That is actually exactly what my coach said to me today. Is do I needed to go deeper into LinkedIn, um, and because I'm getting some very good feedback there, I'm just not there enough. Mm-hmm. And so I like that. And and I really think, it, you know, and this is something that I teach all my writers is start with one platform that you think you're, you know, where you've got them, where you like it and you've got good interaction for a long time. It's been Facebook and Keith and I have had this argument about Facebook. I feel like I need to do ads. He hates ads, you know, and I, but I feel like I need to try them just to see because to help scale mm-hmm. my business some more yeah. as a test. But before I do that, I am going to test going deeper on done. Um, because hey, it's free <laughs> to do that. It's well, it's free monetarily. It's my time, which is not free. Yeah. But I, I think if you just out of all of this, if you get boil this down to what everybody has said here today is find your platform that you like and learn it the best you can interact with people. And really when you start commenting on people, because that's something that Keith taught me. When I started sharing other people's stuff, then they yeah. I noticed they start sharing my stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, there's free advertisement because you know, no telling who all they don't know who I know and I don't know who they know. So mm-hmm. it's a great way to get connections and you doing that on any platform works. Um, is sharing other people's content and commenting on other people's content and following people. Those are the big things. And I don't know if you saw my comment, but Christine, about the list, when I follow somebody, I automatically put them on a list right away. I got to start doing that now. And then that way you don't have to go back and do it later. Because for me, I have authors, Christian authors, podcasters are my big Writer Twitter is a whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, I just, so automatically, I, and then I have faith friends. So if they say they're a Christian, then I will add them to the faith friends. And if they're a Christian author, I'll put them there. And I'll put them in the author category too. Because that way, whatever list I'm at, I can see what they've posted. And I can share it. And that's just a quick and easy way for those that haven't used list yet. And I, that is another thing I got from Keith. Because I didn't even know list was a thing. <laughs> But it does make it easy when you go back out to Twitter and you're like, I want to share somebody's stuff. I'll go out to one of my lists and like, okay, who's posted on the, here today? And I can go through without having to scroll through my feed for 15 minutes to find something good that I want to share. I can go to one of my lists and find something writer related or faith related, whatever mm-hmm. I want to do. Let me, let me take up what you've just said there because I want to, I want to give everyone a permission to, to go. It's getting it's getting on. But what you said there was brilliant. We we have a writer's list. I have a writer's list. Every time someone follows me, start doing this right now. Every time someone follows me who says they're a writer, I right mouse click, put them in the writer's list. So but thank you so much, ladies. Um, thank you, Keith, for organizing this and for being here. And, yes, I want to stay connected with all of you. Um, I love um, Keith has definitely made, truly made me international now because I get to get to know people on other continents and hang out with them and get to know what you do and hear more about what you do. And so I just appreciate y'all being here and I'm sure my community appreciates it too. And so 
thank you for being here and we will see you some other time i'm sure yeah. so well thank, thanks again everyone thanks for having me. thank you for joining us on this episode of the right hour our goal is to help you achieve your writing dreams you are one step closer to write your book Learn how to get the book out of your head with the four steps we teach our clients. Sign up for the free email series at therightcoach.biz. The link is in the show notes. The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content, and complete your book. We share tips on the writing process, and you can download the writing planner to track your progress. Don't let fear and overwhelm keep you from writing your book. It's time to write your book.